let me let me just uh, say a couple things about you know I know it's, it, things are on people's minds and uh, some of you are here just just give me something normal please I just need 10 minutes of normal I understand that completely um, and so we'll do a little bit of that of course as well and um, you know I I I've been in a few situations in my life so. I probably can't call myself young any longer, anybody in my category. Um, like up here maybe I'm young, but the rest of my body's denying it. Is anybody there? Like, and that's, that's a really, by the way, that, that's, that's a sermon, that's a series. Um, you, you, you really are, You're, you, you are the same person here your whole life, isn't that true? In some ways you're, you're, you're 20 years old, right? Here. Um, what do they say? You're, you're writing checks that your body can't cash or something? Is that what they say? That's how he said it in the world. I, all right. Um, but, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I guess I'm not the kid anymore. When I st- st- the church started, I, I was definitely that and called that by a lot of people. And so I've seen a few more things now. And so let me talk about this week from... I'm not a doctor, I'm not, I have no medical advice, just go get that online or wherever you get that. Someone smarter than me, please. Um, so I won't try to address anything, but I will try to talk about something spiritually. And um, um, so be smart and do all of that. Do you remember the, do you remember the, one of the temptations was, you know, Satan says to Jesus, go jump off of this building, this temple, and, and show, it's like, show your power, show your spiritual might, and, and guess what the, by the way, guess what, guess what in that story Satan does? He quotes a Bible verse. Don't listen to everyone that quotes Bible verses. You might be listening to the devil himself. <laughs> Does this make sense? All right, so, because he says, you know, the, he quotes a verse about, you know, you won't, you know, strike your foot against a stone. The angels will protect you. The angels will protect you. So I call, that, that's what I call stupid spirituality. You know, people that just go nutso and they quote Bible verses and they don't use any common sense. And, and of course, Jesus plays Bible bingo and, you know, he wins. And he says, well, I got a verse too, right? So, which is why I said that's all that sort of nonsense. But um, be smart. But, but here's the thing, you know. Live with faith. Live with trust. Live with confidence. Um, and they aren't opposites. There's a, there's a balance that you live your life in. And people will try to pull you to one thing or the other. And over and over and over and over again in the scripture, it says, fear not, fear not, fear not. So you take responsibility, you do what you can do with your life, and then you don't fear, you don't panic, you don't, because that doesn't help you. Is is anybody with me? All right. Did anybody go shopping this week? Hmm? Now, I want to say two things about it. What I saw was, you know, the results of fear and panic. 
You know, people, it's just what happens. It's, it's human nature. It's not, it's not a terrible thing in the sense that um, I think that instinct gave us some survival, but it can make you a, to a really poor decision maker at some point. And so there's stuff missing everywhere. I wasn't out there to get toilet paper or anything like that. I was just out there to just get regular weekly groceries. And it, I found it, you know, interesting. Right? And, uh, and I will say another thing. Um, people were great. There were a lot of people in there, but I mean, no, you, no, no, you go ahead. I had three or four times, like, no problem, go ahead, like this. Now, there was a couple of them, you know what I mean, that were ramming their carts through, and, you know, that's fine. But I saw the good, goodness of humanity. I don't know what you saw. Now, um, I've also seen in my life some high panic situations. And those are almost never good. Almost never good. The, um, the scripture, so, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce the series that we're going to do for Easter, but I'm obviously going to tailor it different in light of, you know, today's, you know, events. Um, but I, I think as you'll see, they do go together. But first of all, Jesus says over and over and over and over again, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. And I think there's a very important reason for that. Fear doesn't always bring the best out in us. Responsibility does and all that, but fear doesn't. Panic doesn't. And the thing that spreads faster than anything else is fear and panic. We were driving down, so a couple of examples. We were driving down to... New Orleans, um, right after Katrina hit. Many of you know, some of you know this story, maybe a lot of you don't. Um, But I felt bad about what had happened down um, in New Orleans, and you could just see on the news, nothing, you know, the help wasn't getting there, and, and so... I finally, I was sitting on my back porch, and I'm like, i got to do something. And so I just sent an email to the church, and I said, if you have, if you can go to the store um, and get, you know, the things that are needed, in which I think they were like granola bars and water and a few other medical things that we put on the list, bring them out on Sunday at church. And Sunday afternoon, I, I rented a U-Haul, and we literally just drove. Um, and, of course, you guys came through, as always, and the, and the U-Haul was packed to the gills, and we needed extra vehicles to take things. So we went down. And um, I, told the, I told the team that went, look me in the eye, like I did when I was a youth pastor. Look me in the eye. We don't have a plan. Everybody repeat, we don't have a plan. Because I said, it's going to get dicey, and you're going to start asking me, what's the plan? And repeat after me. We don't have a plan. And so I, I know people's personalities and human beings are on a spectrum. There's the planners and there's the let's go with it. And I was trying to, I was trying to filter out all the planners. Are you with me? And one of them got through. I found out three days later, you know, my screening didn't work, right? Because he started on the group like, what's the plan? What's the plan? And uh, anyway, we had to have... I had to have more than pastoral words for him. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, it, because here's what happens. We, we drove south, 
And um, you start to get to a point where you go, is the gas station open? Are we going to make it to the next place? They started closing down gas stations. And uh, it wasn't a, there wasn't the ability to make a plan. You know, some people say, that's irresponsible. Interesting thing. You know what I noticed? Military trucks and church vans. How cool is that? Just how, I mean, it was just the coolest moment, right? Going down there, you'd see Church of the Nazarene, you know, such and such Baptist church with pastor so-and-so, you know, on the, man, on the van and everything. I should have got my name on one of ours. But anyway, uh, we're, we're going down there, and, and I saw church vans and military trucks. It was the coolest thing. It was just like nobody knew what they were doing. And by the way, there was a guy on the radio station that started saying um, his whole, he took his responsibility to be, if you, have, if you have a load of supplies, call in. If you have a need, call in. And he was literally brokering on the fly. So we'd listen to him and he'd say, go north to this pot. And, you know, people would have, and he goes, all right, we're good there now. Head, you know, um, it, it, was, it was the coolest expression of humanity. And, of course, you see a little bit of the worst. Is anybody with me? So we're driving south. You start to, you get to what I call like a no man's land. There might not be gas. And we would keep watching our gas gauge. When it got to half a tank, you'd fill it up, right? Half a tank, you'd fill it up further south that we got. We got to a half a tank, and um, we pull over. And um, this is the truth. What happened? We pulled off. I'm trying to remember where we were, somewhere south. I think we are in Mississippi at the time. And um, we pulled in. And uh, literally, the, they're, they're all the gases out, gases out signs on all the pumps. And I pulled the, the last pump a guy was using, and I pulled in behind him. And uh, he literally drained the pump, right? And the guy came out, flipped the sign, and he goes, I'm sorry, we're falling up. Oh, I get it, no problem. So we went, it was one of those you know, gas stations, and so you go across the freeway to the other one. So we went over the freeway to that one. And um, true story pulled in there and these all these dark black vehicles pulled in and they started cutting us off and everyone off and I pulled out some kind of a badge so either he buffaloed all of us or he was really important and he goes this place is closed and you know what happens then you could feel the anxiety on everybody just is anybody know what I'm talking about everybody got anxiety in our group and what are we gonna do what are we I, I had to keep telling them just look I said we might sit on the road for two days. That's what we might do. Guess what? We got a million gallons of water and eight million food bars in here. You know what I mean? We'll just sit here and watch the sun go up and the sun go down. But do you understand? Like, we were completely fine. But when you start seeing people come in with guns and badges and take over gas stations, everybody's anxiety goes like this. Who's with me? What I'm saying. So you just, you just have to reassure everybody. Well, maybe we'll go down another quarter of a tank, see what happens, and we might sleep on the side of the road. We might sleep there for three days. You know what I mean? We could afford to sleep there for seven months. We have enough food. Does anybody know what I'm saying? But your mind does things to you. Panic. Because someone else panicked. And um, anyway, so what'd you do, Chris? We just kept driving, right? We went further, and you know, now you don't know. Are things going to be closed further in? And, and eventually, we made it. And I could write a, I should write a book about that saga because we lost 
wheels and tires and axles and and we just kept going and going and going and it, it was amazing but we we did end up sleeping that night in a strip mall um on the outside and we slept on the sidewalk um we had sleeping bags and um i think i told this this should be in the book outside of a Serta mattress store which seemed a little cruel if you know what i mean like <laughs> And we just rolled out our things there, and, um, and uh, we ended up giving our supplies. We ended up giving our supplies um, down at the LSU campus, first, first half of our supplies. And um, at the LSU campus, a church had turned um, their facilities into a uh, hotel for doctors. How cool. I mean, people were making up stuff on the fly. That became their specialty. So they were flying people in um, to the LSU campus, and uh, doctors were, were focused there, and they're working around the clock, but the doctors needed rest and in a dark room to sleep in. And so the church converted all their classrooms into little bunks, and all the doctors went there. And so we gave all the supplies that, that were needed to help these doctors who help. Is this cool or what? Were you, are you guys the best or what? And so we did that, and then we went on, and we went to a, a, another church that was at a thoroughfare um, and at, at a, um, where people were fleeing from the southern part coming across Lake Pontchartrain, if you know your geography down there. And um, it, was, it was in Covington, so if you really know your geography. This church was just getting overrun with needs, and so we just stayed there. And then we ended up sending teams for a long time. Um, my point is, you know, I mean, I felt, I, trust me, I felt that when these guys with the dark cars came in and they had badges and guns, you know, you just go, Are we, this is really bad. You know, I should panic. Have you ever had part of your, your head say, I should panic? But it just doesn't do you any good. I started thinking, oh, okay, what good was that, that to me? I could get everybody on our team alarmed and, and worked up. And so you just kind of, plod. You get what I'm saying? You just plod. You just do the next right thing in front of you. What's the next right thing I could do in front of me? What can I take care of today? And can I say this? How can I encourage the people around me? So I want to just give a little pastoral something. I mean, if you go grocery shopping, um, just, you know, be great to the people around you. Do, do extra. You know what I mean? Like, do whatever you can to make them feel calm and at peace and and um, the other thing that I would say is, you know, don't judge. Because I get it, right? Some people, they're just wired a certain way. And there was a guy there that he was just ramming his cart through. And I'm just like, just back mine up and let him get his stuff. Are you with me? I wanted to judge. Maybe I'm judging a little by telling you about him. Okay, fair enough. But it's okay. I, it's okay. You know what I mean? People are, the, so just, um, I think that's all a part of it. So I'll tell you how this series is going to be for Easter, and I, this is going to be like a short day. Um, there's a point in the Gospels where Jesus calls the disciples together, and he says to them, you know, who do people say that I am? And, and they repeat some things, you know, you're Elisha, the prophet, um, which had very significance. It wasn't just a random selection. I don't have time to teach about, but they believed that Elijah would come back and be a forerunner, right, to the Christ. And so um, 
Some say you're, you're that person. And uh, Peter says, you know, you're the Christ. You're, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus says to him, you're right, Peter, right? This was revealed to you by my father. And so Peter's right. And then in just two minutes later, he's wrong. And this is, there's so much in this lesson. You and I can be right and wrong almost in the same breath. Think about it. But we're not accustomed to being that because if we think we're right, then we just, we're always right. But he was right, and then the next breath he's wrong because then Jesus says, so let me tell you what that is all about. Because when the Christ, to most of them it meant this was going to be this, this, this savior in the sense that he's going to have military power and he's going to do all these amazing things and he's going to stomp all of your enemies. Because, listen carefully, fear. The Romans came in and stuffed people, stuffed them with fear. There, after Herod died, there was a day the Romans came in, and you can read about it in the antiquities. Um, 3,600 people they killed in one day. There were days the Romans crucified so many people they couldn't find wood for trees, wood for crosses. And so you could have grown up very, very clearly seeing someone hanging from a cross. I learned this um, this week. I don't know if some of you know this. In all the, they know that the Romans crucified thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the, in the uh, Judean area. But did you know this? They've only found one. They just they dug it up not too, not too terribly long ago. I think it was in the 70s, but it could have been later. They found one body or bone that had a nail in it. Why all the missing evidence? You, there would be, you ever thought about this? They crucified thousands of them. And historians, so like part of me, I'm like half historian nerd. I'm one-third historian nerd. One-third Hungarian. No, I'm not. Does anybody have a historian nerd side into them? Like you get a real good, okay. I'm fascinated. Well, yeah, why is that? And the historians, the historians know because they would leave these bodies for the, what? Wild animals. And the wild animals would, you weren't allowed to come get your loved one down. You had to sit there and watch the animals devour them and carry their pieces all over. Fear was palpable in those days. So now I want to tell you this story again. When Jesus says, I'm going to die, right? Crucifixion. And then Peter goes, what? Never, never. That's not the plan. Anybody ever told God what the plan is and is not? Right? That's not the plan, Peter says. That's not how we're going to do this. So Peter's right, and then he's wrong. And this is, this is the story that I want to set up our Easter series as we prepare to celebrate Easter together as a family. And it's this. Um, instead this year of just thinking about celebrating Easter, Here's going to be my challenge to you. Consider 
participating in it. Because the follow-up statement that Jesus makes is this. You must carry your what? Who's, who's heard this before? You must carry your cross. Now, first of all, Peter's first of all having nothing to do with Jesus being crucified because they knew how those things went. Because when they would have a leader of any type of a revolution, they would gather the leader and they would crucify him. That was well known. But they also knew they went to get the lieutenants very quickly after. So Peter knows, first of all, they're not doing that to you. That's not how we're going to do this. And second of all, no thank you for me. And fear helps Peter make this proclamation. Never, Lord, never. And of course, in, this, in the gospel story, Jesus rebukes Peter and says, you know, get behind me. You have no part with me. And this is what I want you to think about for Easter this year. Participating in Easter instead of just celebrating it. Celebrating is this. Looking at the facts, looking at the history, recounting the story, going to a play or two, watching some things on TV, reading the gospel accounts, and celebrating what Jesus did. All fine, all good. Singing songs about what Jesus did. All fine, all good. Look. But from the beginning... It was an invitation to participate. Why is it that that part gets missed? Probably because that's the uncomfortable part. The same part that Peter missed. You are going to carry your cross. You say, well, Chris, what, the, what does that mean? What, what, what are you talking about? Well, we're going to talk about it during the, the short, very short series that we will have, but listen to this. You carrying your cross means, what is the cross? It symbolizes so much. Us dying to ourself, right? Not just physical death, dying to yourself. What does it feel like when you die to yourself? It feels like you didn't get your own way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It can scale from me with my cart reaching for something and a guy ramming his cart across mine and taking what I was going to take and something on the inside of you goes, God bless you, right? No, but the other part goes, you feel very, what? Anxious, angry, violent, because I want that and you're violating me getting what I want. This is a spectrum. This is, this is every act where you don't get what you want. Something thwarts you. Has this ever happened to you? This happens to you every single, what? Day of your life. If you're married multiple times a day, perhaps, except in my situations. In other words, when other people are involved, you, you can't always get what you want. And so that has nothing to do with the Easter story. Listen carefully. It has everything to do with the Easter story. Quite simply, why Paul could say, I die, what? Daily. How could he say that? It meant every single day that he wanted something, he didn't get it, he was dying. You say, well, that's a, such a depressing thing. But listen, it was Jesus who taught us this. If you lose your life, you will find it. 
If you lose your life, you will find it. If you keep your life, you will what? Lose it. Let's say it together. If you lose your life, you will find it. This is the essence. And what did it mean? After the, after the crucifixion, how does the story end? There is the what? Resurrection. You find something better on the other side of the losing. You find something better on the other side of the loss. And so we're going to talk about how you can embrace loss or suffering or not getting what you want. This happens to everybody, and which is why we should try to help teach our children. You're not always going to get what you, what? What you want. You just, they should just learn it. Because you, you have to learn it eventually, and you will learn it eventually. All right, I told them we'd, we'd get done a little bit early for the team down in the uh, other side. So let me wrap this up just, just to summarize where we're going to go. The cross is not just something to observe. It is that. It is something to appreciate. It is something to be grateful for. It is all of that. But perhaps, and I think if you even use the, the Gospels and Jesus' words in the Gospels, it is something to participate in. And here's a meditation for you. When you're watching or reading or listening or at a play or anything that we do during these seasons, meditate and imagine yourself in the story, not just watching it. Am I ready to lose? American culture doesn't set you up for that. American culture just teaches you how to win, right? And that's okay. But that's not what we're talking about here. Because everybody loses at some point. Everybody doesn't get at, at some point. Everybody has unexplained loss. This week, I did two funerals. I talked to a, a friend and a member of our church whose son I buried last year, way too young, in his 20s who now tells me he has cancer. I talked to a mom who's a teenage daughter who was sent home from school, not home, but to the hospital for a suicidal attempt. I could, this was this week, this is what I do. And so if anything, if anything we do today, we at least pause and be grateful. Are you with me there? You just stop and Perspective is everything, everything. So just pause and be grateful. Let's stand.